keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Friday, November 10th, 2023. The Feast of St. Eustace of Canterbury. Now, there's not too much information out there about the details of Eustace's life. He was born sometime around the 6th and 7th century. He died in 627. It was one of the companions of St. Augustine of Canterbury during their mission to convert England. So instead of going through the life of St. Eustace, since there is little known about him, instead we will go over a letter from Pope Gregory the Great who sent him a letter advising St. Eustace on the approach that he should have with the pagans in England. So in a letter, Gregory instructed him that the pagan temples should not, let me say that again, should not be destroyed entirely, but rather purified. He said the idols inside which should be removed and smashed and replaced with the relics of the saints, specifically the martyrs. The temples were then to be transformed into churches, preserving their structures. St. Gregory's letter reiterated the church's teaching that all the gods of the Gentiles are devils, emphasizing the strong anti-ecumenical stance of the church at the time, this principle rooted in St. Paul and Holy Scripture. The letter allowed for flexibility regarding the buildings, If the pagan temples were well-built and artistically appropriate, they could be used for Catholic worship. St. Gregory recognized the artistic merit of certain pagan temples, considering their suitability for Catholic worship. You know, I think about this sometimes when I'm driving downtown and I see some of these beautiful Methodist churches. And I'm just like absolutely stunned by these beautiful Methodist churches. And I just think to myself, I cannot wait until the reign of Mary, and that becomes a Catholic church. What a grace that'll be. St. Gregory emphasized the psychological aspect, noting that people were accustomed to going to these places. So by preserving the familiar locations, they facilitated the transition into Catholic worship and broke down some of the inhibitions about attending services in the same place. St. Gregory also recommended to St. Eustace a suggestion for raising tents around the transformed churches, For communal gatherings, people were encouraged to enjoy meals together and thank God for the good things, incorporating a sense of celebration and joy into the process of conversion. I like to think about this, too, because um, I, for one, enjoy eating and as many people do. And so I think it's a great idea. Foreshadowing? Foreshadowing. St. Gregory approached showcase the Catholic principle of a balance between intransigence, or otherwise known as rigidity in principles, and docility uh, or a flexibility in non-principle matters. This balance was essential for maintaining the purity of principles while effectively applying them in the apostolate. So St. Eustace, St. Augustine, and St. Gregory approach exemplifies the Catholic spirit in apostolate, emphasizing a delicate balance between these two things. So what should we ask from St. Eustace on this, his feast day? Well, let's ask St. Eustace along with St. Augustine, with St. Gregory, and to give us the understanding and love for the Catholic balance between intransigence 
and ductility that they, they, that they applied in their apostolates. Without intransigence, we cannot maintain our purity of principle. And without ductility, we cannot apply them and make the apostolate flourish. Such equilibrium is a magnificent fruit of the Catholic spirits, a spirit that we should acquire. So let's ask for this grace from St. Eustace, St. Augustine, and St. Gregory. Pray for us. Uh, good morning to you. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. Did you say ductility like ductility. quack quack? Uh, yes, it's D-U-C-K-tility. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the proper pronunciation, I it could be docility, docility. It's, it's spelled D-U-C-T-I-T-L. No, D-U-C-T-I-L-I-T-Y. There you go. Hmm. I think it's ductility, like like a, like a conduit. Oh. I think that's I think that's the uh, the way that's pronounced. Hmm. Ductility. Got it. Or like a an air duct. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that's right. I could be completely <laughs> wrong here. Somebody's uh, yelling at the at the, <laughs> the radio right now. No, you fool! It's pronounced this way. Um, whoops! At least it's not French. That well, that's true. Watch it. Watch it be French. We <laughs> we. <laughs> oui, oui. It's actually uh, the root word for that is actually French. Um, that would be my luck. That would be my luck. I, it's probably something to do, something like Latin or Greek or something. All right. Well, I'm glad we got that taken care of. Today is, in fact, Friday. We made it to the weekend. Congratulations, Rudy. Woo! Now, I, for one, have a uh, very, very important thing to do this weekend. Sleep. Yes. Really? Yeah. Are you going to try and sleep? I have a date with my bed, and I'm wow. going to sleep. Scandalous. Are you married to your bed? You can't be sleeping with your bed if you're not married with it. Hey, uh, the, um, never mind. <laughs> I was going to make a joke. I was going to, but I'm not going to do that. The, uh, I'm planning on sleeping for 12 hours. That's the goal. That's okay. my goal. We'll see if I can do it. Nah, I'm going to go to bed. Gonna happen. Will it happen? No. Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm going to try, I'm going to try to go to bed at like 8 p.m. and I'm nice. going to try to wake up at 8 a.m. That's, That's the goal. what time I go to bed. I go to bed at 8. I'm an old man. <laughs> I try to wake up, uh, uh, go to bed early, wake up early. It's a, it's a plan. We'll see if I'm able to actually accomplish the goal. Yeah. Well, today our social streams are back up. So if you'd hey. like to join us on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, your favorite uh, social media platform, go ahead and, and log in, find Catholic Drive Time on there, and leave a comment. Let us know what you're doing for the weekend. That would be very love interesting. love to hear it. And... In the after show today, because we weren't able to get to it yesterday due to the fact that we weren't streaming on our social media feeds, we are going to talk about the end times. The end times. <laughs> That's right. We're going to talk about are we at the end times and the prophecy of the coming chastisement. We'll talk about that in the after show. So you're going to want to join us in our social media streams for that. But coming up in this hour, 15 past the hour, Donald Trump has announced who he might pick for his VP. That's really <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's actually me. Uh, the, plus, a new revolutionary paradigm shift in theology. We were going to talk about that yesterday, but ran out of time, so we'll see if we can get that to that today. Plus, the Welsh law enforcement are using facial recognition software. Yikes. 
So we'll talk about that at 15 past the hour. 30 past the hour, Aaron Sang, president of Trady Vox, will be joining us to talk about a new catechism that just came out. A, I would highly recommend. So we're going to talk about that in this hour. Plus, in the next hour, Dave Palmer with Back to the Father is on to discuss the sin of gluttony leading into Thanksgiving. Yeah, I got bad news for you, man. No gluttony. So we'll talk about all this coming up. But let's begin with prayer. We're praying for your intentions. We're praying in a special way for the intentions of our private Telegram chats, our Catholic Drive Time Telegram chat. We're praying for their intentions. We had a number of people send in some prayer requests, and we're praying for your intentions. We're praying for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church for our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for, for my grandfather, and for the holy souls. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. O Lord, who art ever merciful and bounteous with thy gifts, look down upon the suffering souls in purgatory. Remember not their offenses and negligences, but be mindful of thy loving mercy, which is from all eternity. Cleanse them of their sins and fulfill their ardent desires, that they may be made worthy to behold thee face to face in thy glory. May they soon be united with thee and hear those blessed words which will come to them, to their heavenly home. Come, blessed of my Father, take possession of the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the masses said throughout the world today. For all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, and those in my own home, and within my family. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And allow me to inform you about something kind of concerning coming up this winter. Is it time for you to get a new generator? A new warning says that half of the U.S. is at risk of a grid, a power grid down this winter. The 2023-24 to 24 Winter Reliability Assessment Report by the North American Electric Reliability Corporation raises concerns about a new highlighted risk of insufficient energy supply across the U.S. and Canadian power grid during extreme cold spells. The report warns that the bulk power system and fuel availability for natural gas-fired generators is at risk, with over 20% of generating capacity susceptible to freezing temperatures. The shift to green energy and phasing out fossil fuels for solar and wind power also amplifies the risks in freezing weather. These growing pains follow surging power demand driven partially by increased electric vehicle charging, as exacerbating challenges in maintaining reliable winter energy supply. So maybe, I don't know, find a generator, get yourself an electric, um, you know, a heater or something. I don't know, maybe, maybe you might need it. And here's another kind of concerning story for Friday. The first chimeric monkey created with embryonic stem cells was born in a Chinese lab. Scientists in China have successfully bred a chimeric monkey using stem cells from two genetically distinct embryos. The monkey was found to have stem cell-derived cells in 26 different parts of tissue throughout its body. This breakthrough can potentially produce any cell or tissue in the body that it needs to repair itself. The injected stem cells labeled with green fluorescent protein allowed researchers to identify tissues that had grown out of the staged, or rather the tagged, stem cells. The study compile, uh, complied with national ethical regulations in China. But I wonder what these ethical regulations are, because this sounds like hubris. And uh, the researchers aim to further explore the mechanisms 
underlying the survival of embryos in host animals and seek to produce a healthier chimera that can live longer. And finally, judging from the level of complaints, U.S. air travel is getting worse. The U.S. Transportation Department reported a significant increase in consumer complaints about airlines in the first quarter of this year, nearly doubling compared to the same period last year. These complaints continue to rise in April and May, indicating a worsening air travel experience. Let me tell you, from personal experience, this is real. The Transportation Department is currently investigating several domestic airlines for potentially offering flight schedules that they might not be able to fulfill. Southwest Airlines, for example, faced an investigation after a service meltdown led to almost 17,000 canceled flights in December. And let me tell you, who needs the litany of humility when you can just go and fly Frontier? <laughs> now, those are some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. The gospel of the day comes from Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. I think we're probably only going to get to verse 1. So go check out the entire commentary. Just look up the great commentary of Cornelius Alapidae and look that up on Google. It'll pop up and you can read the entire commentary for the gospel from today. In verse 1, it says, And he said also to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. Now, this alone, Cornelius Lopede had a lot to say. He says a steward is one who had the management of his master's property and was answerable for the letting of his land. Hence, we learn. And this is what he's trying to get across to you. He's trying to say, we are not masters of what we possess, but rather stewards of that which is another's. So says St. Ambrose in Theophilcat. Now, lest we confuse ourselves and think that as Catholics, we should be communist, which obviously didn't exist at the time of Cornelius Lapide, but he comments on as if he's talking about communism here. He says, for although as regards men, we are the absolute masters of our own possessions, yet with respect to God, who is Lord over all, we are but stewards. Because whatever we possess was given to us for our moderate use and for the relief of our poorer brethren. And in the day of judgment, we shall have, a have to render a strict account of our stewardship. He said there is an erroneous opinion that all the good things of this life which we possess are our own and that we are lords over them. But we, as it were, guests and strangers. I think it's a very balanced understanding of the passage here. Yes, your property belongs to you. You are, it's yours. You could do with it what you want, at least on the natural level. But we have to keep in mind, when we die, we will have to give an account for our stewardship of the things God gave us. We'll be right back with more. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, Christians have committed some of the worst atrocities in history, far worse than the supposed savages and heathens that they converted to Christianity? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is very right to rebuke our religion for falling short of our own standards and ideals. But it's absurd to pretend that Christianity fell lower than other religions that profess the very opposite standards and ideals. In other words, the savages and heathens have had some pretty savage and heathen ideas and practices from minor maltreatment all the way to human sacrifice. 
Chesterton says the Christian has not been worse than the heathen in an absolute sense. The Christian is only worse because it is his business to be better. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray a chaplet. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed the chaplet of Divine Mercy daily? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. It's always good to be with you. Now, before I jump into some of these stories, I did want to share with you something I saw on the internet. The Twitterverse, one might call it, even though it's now called X. But this post that I read is emblematic of a lot of other people's posts. A lot of these are more like millennials and Zoomers. And I'm seeing this happen, and it's very concerning, and I wanted to share that with you. It says here, quote, So I think I'm leaving the church. Catholic school, current Catholic. I can't continue to call myself a Catholic. There's just way too much polluting this church, and I can't in good conscience continue here. On top of this, Catholic NGOs flooding migrants everywhere. I can't just go with the flow anymore. It's morally wrong for me to even perpetuate it to help fund the church. I guess I have some research to do. By leaving the church, I mean the Catholic church, not Christ. This was because of this incident, by the way, that has been brewing. My godson's priest was arrested a few years ago for molestation. The priests who were hidden by the Pope the embracing of everything I consider morally wrong. I've been considering this for a long time. I saw this article and went, well, that's enough. To my Catholic followers, this isn't on you, but I walk into the church and it feels wrong. This is a response to the article from Reuters saying transgender people can now be baptized Catholic, serve as godparents, Vatican says. Now, this is important. To recognize. And some people will blame Catholic commentators. I saw a lot of people saying, oh, this is Taylor Marshall's fault. This is Crisis Magazine's fault. This is, and they started listing all these groups. And I noticed, obviously, he's responding to a Reuters article, a secular article, not a Catholic commentator. But a lot of people are blaming the Catholic commentators for this. And my question is, are you going to blame the person who actually did the scandal? Are you going to are you going to blame the person who is responding to the scandal? Because this is a scandal. This is a horrible scandal. And it's such a scandal that's being picked up by every news outlet in the world. Reuters, CNN, all these secular news outlets are reporting on this. And so should Catholics be like, this is so scandalous, we should not talk about it. So then what? You just get the world saying, look, the Vatican approves, the Rome approves, the Pope approves of transgenderism. Or should our job be to say, yeah, that happened. 
I have two eyes and I can see. I have two ears and I can hear. But don't leave the church because of it. Because the Pope has no authority to change the church's teaching. The Vatican has no authority to change the church's teaching. So I responded to this. And what I had to say, I said, by abandoning the church, you abandon Christ. Because he's trying to make the point that he's leaving the church, not Christ. But the church is the mystical body of Christ. So if you abandon the church, you abandon Christ. I said, be affirmed in the faith. Do not allow the unfaithfulness of God's servants to drive you from the house of God. Because these prelates, priests, these Vatican officials, they are not God. They are the servants of God. And just like we read in the gospel today, they are stewards. The Holy Father is a steward of the doctrine of the faith. He is a steward of the kingdom of God here on earth. He is a steward of the church militant. Ultimately, it all belongs to the master who is God. And whenever you have a steward, unfortunately, he is the steward. He's in charge. He gets to make the decisions. He gets to use the land that is given to him by the master as he pleases. But in the end, he will have to give an account for his stewardship. That's what's required. Every single one of us will be in the same boat. Whatever God has given, this is why our Lord says, to much who is given, much is expected. The more responsibility you have, the harder it is for you to get to heaven. This is why all the commentators talked about how terrible it must be to be Pope. They asked, can a Pope even get to heaven? Many of the saints asked that question. There have been saints who literally fled the country because they did not want to become a bishop out of fear for their soul. So don't be scandalized by the things happening in Rome. Don't be scandalized by these wicked pastors who are trying to lead people astray. We just have to recognize this is true. It's happening. We can't just close our eyes and pretend it's not happening. But instead, we have to be affirmed in the faith. Recognizing that no matter what they do, they can't actually change what God has given us. That what God has given us is the truth. And the truth does not change. It cannot change. Now, I started seeing people trying to explain this away, saying, well, he didn't mean transgenders. He meant people who were once transgender and have left the transgender life. And to that, I say, that makes no sense. Because you, you would not call someone a transgender if they're no longer transgender. And I talked about this yesterday, but it's worth repeating. It's not a category of being. That's not a category. It's like saying that, oh, a Buddhist can be a godparent. No, a Buddhist cannot be a godparent. A former Buddhist, now Catholic, can be a godparent. Of course. Of course. Because being a Buddhist is a belief. It's a set of beliefs that you're holding to. And that can change. It's not intrinsic to who you are. 
It's not foundational. It's not an ontological state of being. It's not who you are fundamentally. It can change. And so you can abandon Buddhism, embrace the Catholic faith, but then you're not Buddhist anymore. No one would say, oh, I have a Buddhist godfather. You have a Catholic godfather who was once Buddhist. And so if you have someone who is transgender, of course they cannot be a godparent. If you have someone who is a homosexual, of course they cannot be a godparent. Now, if you have somebody who experiences same-sex attraction, who is living a chaste life, they could be a godparent. If you have somebody who is suffering from gender dysphoria, but is set in the right path and is working on it, then theoretically he could be or she could be a godparent. But someone who's suffering from gender dysphoria is not transgender. Someone who experiences same-sex attraction is not a homosexual, is not a sodomite. This is why it's important that we use particular language. This is why the words we use matter. This is why people get mad at me. They say, Adrian, why do you say there are sodomites? Because I'm trying to make a distinction between someone who commits the act, which is evil in and of itself. It's intrinsically disordered. And someone who suffers from same-sex attraction who is not a sodomite. So if you don't commit the sin of sodomy, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people who experience same-sex attraction as a separate category from those who commit the mortal sin of sodomy. In the same way, someone who experiences gender dysphoria is not someone who's transgender. I'm not talking about you if you are not identifying as transgender. This is an important thing. This is why we have to be precise with our language. The words we use matter. And the left tries to use the words to control our minds. This is very, very important. This is such a big deal because souls are lost because of the confusion, because of the ambiguity, because of the imprecise language. It's so very important. And it's not talked about nearly enough. And people want to blame the people who are reporting on the problems. They want to say, it's because you're talking about it that people are leaving the faith. It's kind of like blaming someone who was a victim of a crime. It's like you were a victim of a crime and now you're talking about it. Wow, you're making me uncomfortable. Well, why don't you blame the person who committed the crime? It is absurdity in, in my mind. Now, we won't get to the topic of the new motu proprio at the Elogium Provamendum. Uh, maybe we'll get to it next week. But I did want to talk about these other stories. A little bit lighthearted, more more lighthearted news. A, a hard shift over. Donald Trump says he would consider Tucker Carlson to be his vice president. Hmm. I think this is a hilarious uh, outcome. I, I really hope this is true because the memes would be amazing. <laughs> and, and the imagine the campaigns, the videos, the um, the tra- the not the trailers. I could, it, it feels like a movie. They do and have trailers. They have tra- <laughs> the commercials. There we go. The ads would be amazing. Imagine the debates. Tucker Carlson on the on the debate stage. That Man, would be so funny. I'd be so conflicted though because I like Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson, I like a lot, but. I think Trump, he just doesn't have my vote again. After what he said, after what he's done, I'm like, I don't know. I just can't. Honestly, I'm not a huge fan of Tucker Carlson either, to be honest. Really? I mean, there's some things I like a lot that he puts out. 
He's an um, interesting personality. Yeah, he he definitely is. I don't know what would you call it, a free thinker. Free thinking ha- kind of has a liberal connotation, right. but he he definitely has his own opinions, and I like that that he's not just toting the line. But at the same time, he kind of um, he has a very neocon mentality uh, in terms of like his understanding of the world. I guess it's more more accurate to say like a Protestant understanding. Yes. It's a very Protestant I would understanding say, yeah. of the world. And so I got a lot of things where I disagree with him. But I just think it would be funny to see Tucker Carlson and Kamala Harris on the debate stage together. Oh, man. That would be amazing. <laughs> I would I would pay tickets. It would be like pay-per-view to see that go down. So, Take, Oh, man. I think we live in the best timeline. That's hilarious. Take a shot every time Kamala Harris just breaks out into spontaneous laughter for no reason. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> the, one last story before we run out of time here. The Welsh law enforcement used facial recognition to search for pedophiles at Beyonce's concert. Wow. So two things there. One, I'm glad they were able to catch pedophiles. Um, I'm not trying to defend pedophiles here. But the second thing is this is really concerning. Very, very, very concerning. Because this is like the surveillance state where all the cameras are now looking, scanning our faces. And it's only just like a hop, a skip over to we get to a point where... They're doing things that we don't want, where they're arresting people for crimes that are like thought crimes and things like that. It just makes me think of all these sci-fi movies where you see people monitoring the screens and the cameras all over the the city, and they're like looking for somebody, and then it tags someone's face, and it's like ninety-eight percent match, and you're like, oh, I know exactly where the person is, and like this is the this world we're here, we're here, we we've made it. Sci-fi world is real. We were talking with Shaista Justin about predictive programming. That sounds a lot like Minority Report. Doesn't it? Hmm. Doesn't it? Very sketchy. Very sketchy. So maybe we'll revisit this story too. A lot more could be said. When we come back, Aaron Sang with Traddy Vox talking about, speaking of traditional teaching, we're talking about a new catechism that just came out. We'll be right back with more right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, You are free in our time to say that God does not exist. You are free to say that he exists and is evil. You are free to say that he would like to exist if he could. You may talk of God as a metaphor or a mystification. You may water him down with gallons of long words or boil him to rags of metaphysics. And it is not merely that nobody punishes, but nobody protests. But if you speak of God as a fact, as a thing like a tiger, as a reason for changing one's conduct, then the modern world will stop you somehow if it can. We are long past talking about whether an unbeliever should be punished for being irreverent. It is now thought irreverent to be a believer. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, Chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to meditate on Christ's passion. Wouldn't it be great if everyone meditated daily on our Lord's passion? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Catholics gather in Jerusalem for a prayer vigil for peace. Beautiful story. Catholics in Jerusalem gathered for a prayer vigil on Thursday, November 9th, to implore from God the gift of peace for their land and also to affirm that they are ready to be peacemakers themselves. The prayer vigil organized by the Arab Catholic Scout Group Sabil Ecumenical Center and the Society of St. Vincent de Paul of Jerusalem began just before sunset and concluded by a candlelight in darkness. The event took place at the Terra Sancta High School of the Custody of the Holy Land, located in the Old City of Jerusalem. The prayer was presided over by Cardinal Pier Battista Pizzaballa, Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem. Hundreds of people, women, men, children, and the elderly as well, as representatives from all of the Christian churches in Jerusalem gathered in the school courtyard as one family to pray and to speak together as Christians. Thanks be to God. And The Hill reports, Younger veterans feel uncomfortable when told thank you for service, according to a poll. Ahead of Veterans Day on Saturday, a survey found disparities between young military members and their older counterparts in how they prefer to be recognized for their service. Among younger military members and veterans age 18 to 29, 70% said they feel uncomfortable or awkward when they are thanked for their their service. Only 24% of older members, 65 years and up, say the same, and the Endeavor Analytics and YouGov Uh, were the people who found this in the poll. This data shows that military service members and our veterans want Americans to go beyond small talk to connect with them on a deeper level, including learning more about the service that they had or honoring each veteran service in ways in which they feel comfortable talking about it, said Robert F. Whittle Jr., retired Army Major General and United States Services Automobile Association Chief of Staff. Those are all of your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you very much, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, joining us right now is Aaron Sang. He's the president of Tradivox and general editor of the Catholic Catechism Index. And he contributes to preserving traditional Catholic teachings with a deep involvement in the English manuscript of Bishop Athanasius Snyder's groundbreaking work, Credo. He asserts it's paramount role in contemporary catechisms. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Singh. Good to be with you, Adrian. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Now, the this catechism, very, very interesting. I've been going through it, and I have not been able to get through all of it quite yet, but I plan to. Um, well, let's start from the beginning. It is known as a compendium, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it wasn't labeled a catechism. It was labeled a compendium. So let's start there. Why is it labeled a compendium, and how is that different, or is it exactly the same as a catechism? Sure. Well, we could answer that question in any number of ways. Uh, The first being a compendium in the bishop's mind is a little more far-reaching than uh, a lot of folks consider the term catechism, whereas many people think of the Baltimore, for instance, the Baltimore Catechism in this country, um, where you have kind of a systematic treatment of the truths of faith, which are, of course, uh, treated in credo. But he reaches a little beyond that, so it it does engage uh, a lot more content than uh, catechisms often engage. So things like, you know, practical applications for daily life, you know, regimens of how to combat temptation. Um, You've got a lot of spiritual direction, frankly, in this book that uh, wouldn't appear otherwise in your typical catechism. So that was one of the reasons for choosing that that, uh, moniker. 
Now, before we had you uh, on, I was talking about, I saw on on Twitter, a young man had tweeted that he's leaving the church because of all the craziness that's going on in the Vatican. And I was making the point that we need to go and we need to be aware of the traditional teachings of the church so that way we are not scandalized by the things happening and we know where we can cling to. Uh, so tell me about the purpose of this catechism in regards to the you you made the comment that it was a um, it was a paramount role in contemporary catechisms. Uh, tell me about why this is groundbreaking. Yes, it's it's tremendous. Could I perhaps read from it uh, just the bishop's own words? Please do. Yeah. So he he um, the bishop Schneider again in preparing the text he kind of explains some of his reasoning. Uh, which I I find completely compelling. So this is from the author's preface itself. Yes. A Catholic bishop is bound to fulfill his public oath to maintain the deposit of faith entire and incorrupt as handed down by the apostles and professed by the church everywhere and at all times. He's he's quoting there the the um, the interrogation of the bishop elect from the right of uh, ordination or, or consecration of a bishop. So he goes on, therefore, I'm compelled to respond to the requests of many sons and daughters of the church who are perplexed by the widespread doctrinal confusion in the church of our day. I offer this work, Credo Compendium of the Catholic Faith, to strengthen them in their faith and serve as a guide to the changeless teaching of the church. Uh, so he goes on. Um, and one of, one of the other reasons I also want to highlight, he, he mentions further on in the preface here, he says, I also wish to bear public witness to the continuity and integrity of the Catholic and apostolic doctrine. In preparing this text, my intended audience has been chiefly God's little ones, those faithful Catholics who are hungry for the bread of right doctrine. It's therefore in obedience to my duty toward them, laid upon me in my Episcopal consecration to preach the truth in season and out of season, that I publish this compendium at the present time. Uh, Thus, Bishop Schneider, our author. So, he, he's very much aware, first of all, of his own task as a bishop. You know, he's he is, as every bishop is, bound to proclaim the truths of the faith, as you say, even more so in, in times of you know, widespread doctrinal confusion. Um, you have folks, this this poor uh, fellow you mentioned here on Twitter, that are, are deeply scandalized by the things not only they hear, you know, emanating from the Vatican from time to time, uh, but often even maybe from their own pulpit, uh, maybe from their own local cathedral. And so you have here a bishop who's taking very seriously his duty of fidelity to the magisterium and then his his own solemn public oath, again, made by every bishop to maintain and hand on uh, the deposit of faith. So that, that's that's his driving uh, kind of raison d'etre for this this whole work. And I point out <clears throat> uh, uh, to you, you know, earlier before we went on the show, that uh, just as a student of the catechetical manuscript tradition, I, I know of nothing. Uh, this this is in every way. I think the publisher kind of refers to it as the book of the century. Uh, I, I think that's entirely justified. I can't think of anything like this that has been written, uh, certainly since the council, but really even many years prior, that takes in such a holistic vision of both the truths of the faith themselves, you know, it's a very systematic treatment uh, with incredibly uh, concise and precise articulations of of what we believe as Catholics. Uh, But also, again, that that kind of uh, daily living aspect 
really it has a, a copious amount of even kind of spiritual direction that makes its way into these pages. So it's it's phenomenal. It's a, it's a monumental work. Yeah, I think it's amazing because I mean, like we've been saying, the the times we live in, it's characterized by ambiguity, by confusion, by unclarity. And Bishop Snyder gives a very concise and clear response to a question and answer format. And so many people may ask, why do we need this new catechism if we have the catechism of the Catholic Church from JP2? And plus, uh, many people say, I use the Baltimore catechism. I like that a lot. And you have published all these old catechisms. Uh, why a new one? Yes, great question. Um the the first point is to make is that every catechism is is set in a historical context of its own. So the reason that we have uh, thousands of catechisms in the Catholic tradition, as again that the Tradebox series illustrates so well, uh, is that the truths of the faith always are articulated in a given time and place. So there's always things, modes of expression. You know, I'm a, I'm a big student of of language. So grammar and syntax is is completely governed by. Uh, your own regional context, so a geographical kind of lay of the land, but also your your chronological context. You know, there are terms, English is, of course, a, a classic example where you have this living language that words today mean things that they did not mean, you know, <laughs> and uh, and we have we have new words also. So this is something that every living language is is always kind of a subject to. And so the articulation of this fixed deposit of faith that we have uh, is is always going to bear these kind of, uh, of uh, new and and contemporary expressions, even though the doctrine itself has this marked continuity across time and space. That's something again that the Tradevox project illustrates so well. You have catechisms spanning you know the better part of the last millennium, and there is this remarkable just point for point. You can trace it across continents. You can trace it across centuries. Uh, the continuity of this doctrine, but we have run up into something in the last fifty years. Uh, that that has uh, never been seen really in the manuscript tradition itself, which is this, the scope itself is what's unprecedented, where you have formulations that have no pedigree in, in the Catholic tradition. There are uh, neologisms, there are terms that have never been used. Uh, these terms are often employed without any kind of clear definition or without being matched against definitions that came before them. Uh, so terms and concepts that and we're going to have to go to a quick break. When we come back, I'll let you finish that thought on some of the modern errors that the catechism responds to. All this and more with Aaron saying when we get back. Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Joining us right now is Aaron Singh. He is the president of Vox and the Catholic Catechism Index. I'm actually a subscriber of it, so I receive it every few months when a new one is published. And so I enjoy receiving these old catechisms it's a it's really a joy to flip through them and I kind of always like I wonder how they're gonna articulate this answer and I flip through it and I look through it it's kind of almost like a, a little game I play with myself and I'm like oh that's interesting it's a very enjoyable but we're not talking about that today today we're talking about Bishop Athanasius Snyder's new catechism labeled Credo it is a, a excellent work I am actually really blessed to be able to have this and i want to share with you a personal story about it in a second but i wanted to let you finish your thought before we went to a break the we were talking about how this catechism is necessary because it responds to some of the modern errors that just weren't questions 50 years ago 60 years ago 70 years ago Uh, so let's let you finish your thought there aaron well, that's about the gist of it, there, Adrian. You, you nailed the uh, the nail on the head. It's um, it's it's the articulation of the truths of the faith that do not change uh, within our own contemporary context. So we have things, like, for instance, I was speaking to someone recently. We were talking about old catechisms, and we pointed out, uh, you know, none of these old catechisms really specifies that marriage is between a man and a woman. Is <laughs> <laughs> it? So the you know the positivist the 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 fellow who says well if it's not in a written you know clearly articulated and binding formulation that that means it it doesn't have any bearing on me uh, the positivist who looks back across you know hundreds of years of catechisms and doesn't find you know this specification well marriage is oh by the way it's always only a man and a woman uh, you know the, for the first time in human history you have this widespread questioning well is that really what what marriage is, you know, this natural institution. Well, of course it is. This is one of the things that's just assumed by the entire Catholic tradition. Uh, it's it's some in some places, you know, it's alluded to, especially when uh, Genesis, you know, is mentioned and, and Adam and Eve as the first instance of uh, of the union between man and woman. But but for the most part, that's just assumed. And so here you have, you know, this need for a bishop today to very clearly specify. Oh, it's it's an it's a lifelong, you know, it's inexhaustible. It's it's uh, oh yes, and only between one man and one woman, you know. So this is a good example. Excellent, excellent. I I think that's excellent because we we do live in a very weird time, like you said. And uh, previous catechisms are like oh, it didn't explicitly mention abortion. Oh, it didn't explicitly. Well, some of them did, kind of did mention abortion a little bit, but some they never mentioned anything like transgenderism was never mentioned. Um, technology using the use of phones and things like that were not mentioned in old catechisms. And so Bishop Snyder covers a lot of these things that simply were not issues in the past and former people would never even consider them. I want to share and I want to get your thoughts on this, Mr. Saying um, my one, I, I was very happy to hear a cousin of mine was never baptized and 
I guess it's really it's my my dad's aunt. My dad's aunt was never baptized, and then she didn't baptize her daughter, and she didn't baptize her son. And my dad reached out to me a couple of weeks ago, about a, about a month ago, and said, "Hey, I have good news. Your cousin and their family all want to get baptized." And I was like, "That's awesome! Praise be to God!" And they said, "So, what do you recommend for them to try to go through RCIA and all that? Because they kind of don't live too close to an area where we have a a good RCIA program." And so I contacted a a priest friend of mine about a month ago and asked him, "Hey, can can I just give them private catechism lessons and go through Bishop Athanasius Snyder's credo?" Um, and they the priest said, "Yes, go ahead. You're that's I, my approval." Um, just whenever you're done, have them meet with me and I will give them a thumbs up, making sure that they learn everything they need to learn and we'll get them baptized. And so I want to share that because I think that's an amazing opportunity. And what are your thoughts about using this for like RCA programs and things like that? Yes, beautiful. That's one of the reasons that the publisher also issued separately a, a study journal for Credo is, is for exactly the kind of applications you're talking about there. Uh, the, the journal itself, you know, it's, it's considerably smaller, it's spiral bound. The idea is you have one kind of page spread, one full page spread per chapter of Credo. And it does the, exactly the kind of work you're saying, where, you know, holding out um, key terms from the chapter, uh, kind of guided questions for getting deeper into, you know, the different doctrinal themes that are raised um, it really neat. It pairs uh, excerpts, uh, doctrinal excerpts from the text with excerpts that we pray at Holy Mass. Uh, so it has it's kind of showing this connection, the Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi, as the church prays, so she believes. So it's kind of holding that out from chapter to chapter. So, yes, that, that's that's absolutely what the bishop has in mind uh, with issuing the text. It was something else that was asked of him, uh, His Excellency in Rome. Recently, when they had the international launch event uh, during the last days of the synod there in uh, in Rome, and someone brought that up, kind of how how the text could be used. Is this something suitable for RCIA? Is it something suitable for uh, instructing, say, you know, younger folks, high school age, kind of above, um, would really be the target audience, I think. And so that was that was something Bishop mentioned as well. So it would be very helpful for routine instruction like that. Very good. So you're saying high school age or above? That means. Uh... People could use it for confirmation prep. They could use it for RCAA. So I think that's an excellent opportunity. So I very much think that this is a good resource that people should check out. I have the book, but I don't have the study journal. So I may have to go and get that from Sophia Institute Press. Uh, but now I want to talk about, with the time we have left, there was one particular pa- paragraph, or I guess two, that people really did not like. People were, I saw it pop up on Twitter and they were like, people, I was saying, oh, it's endorsed by Scott Hahn. It's endorsed by Bishop Cardinal Sarah. It's endorsed by another bishop that I wasn't familiar with um, by contemplative nuns. And I was promoting it on Twitter before I had read it. And someone sent me this paragraph and said, don't you know this paragraph is in there? And I was like, um, I'm sure there's something there that I just don't get. So here's the paragraph, and I want to get your response, uh, Mr. Sang. Paragraphs 224 and 225 state, Is the dignity of the human person rooted in his creation and God's image and likeness? He says, he responds, This was true for Adam, but with original sin, the human person lost this resemblance and dignity in the eyes of God. He recovers this dignity through baptism 
and keeps as long as he does not sin mortally. 225 says, then human dignity is not the same in all persons? No, the human person loses his dignity in proportion to his free choice of error or evil. For example, the dignity of Adolf Hitler and St. Francis of Assisi are not the same. Uh, Mr. Sang, people are saying that Bishop Snyder is denying the Imago Dei. So what is the right way to look at this passage? Uh, sure, it's a great a great question. Uh, someone had mentioned that to me too, that there was uh, blowback about that. So I'm glad you brought it up. Um, the Yeah, the, the first thing is to point out that the image of God and likeness are classically considered as as different categories. Um, so one thinks of, of Aquinas, of course, in the Summa. Um, and, and the important part about this text itself is that the term itself or the phrase really human dignity, uh, this is a phrase that does not have a definitive theological content. So, so it's, it's used in a multivalent way, uh, and, and has been since the church fathers. I mean, you, you find this, this, uh, this consideration, the image and likeness of God is kind of one, you know, thing, the interpretation the exegesis of that text from Genesis, but then also kind of the corollary, or at least what we think of as a corollary today, um, which is the human dignity, this, this idea of, of human dignity. So, <clears throat> so first, I mean, the notion that uh, the bishop is some way denying that persons have some uh, innate uh, moral value is, is of course laughable. I mean, anyone who would assert that obviously hasn't read the book, the whole section on, for instance, the fifth commandment where, <laughs> where the bishop let me just find that actually because uh let's see so um so this is the the second part so there are three parts the catechism is divided into uh which is kind of the classical uh distinction of the parts of a given catechism kind of faith morals and the means of grace and so this is part two the morals we're talking about fifth commandment uh this is question 504 this is in the section uh, dealing with offenses against human life, right? <laughs> so, so where you know the bishop again, he cites the use of human embryos or fetuses as an object of experimentation constitutes a crime against their dignity as human beings who have a right to the same respect owed to the child that is once born, just as to every person. Okay, so so I mean, and it goes on. I'm not going to read more from there but but this 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 notion that uh well perhaps the bishop is is somehow undermining uh you know the uh the the value the innate kind of moral value of any uh personal life well that's laughable in the extreme you have to read the rest of the, of the text um which is something else that he he points out early in the book is that there's you know ev for every issue there's there's various uh lenses of treating it and that's why there's such a huge index for the book is so that you can find, you know, how, for instance, human dignity is treated uh, doctrinally in a section on on faith, how it's treated morally, you know, it's its applications in the moral life. That would be part two. You know, so I, I would encourage anybody who's confused on it, use the index, use the topical index on human dignity. Um, but the other point theologically that he's trying to make is is really to combat an error that has crept in, uh, especially since kind of the latter half of the 20th century, which is this equating of uh, human existence as such with a moral spiritual value in the eyes of God. This is a this is really a concept from the Enlightenment period, which is basically trying to say, uh, because we exist, we are all children of God. Well, this idea 
is is a grave departure from uh, not only the, the whole kind of catechetical tradition of the church, but the gospels themselves, the teaching of our Lord, who is good but God alone, how do we obtain this kind of uh, moral spiritual goodness in the eyes of God? Well, it's only through grace. Grace alone confers that on us since the fall, which again, as you mentioned uh, from Bishop's quotation, is what he's pointing out, is that this was true of Adam. You have this inherent image and likeness to God by way of grace, but by way of his creation, Adam's creation. Uh, but that's no longer the case for any human being. And this is something uh, that any Catholic should recognize because we sing it every year at Easter. Right? Well, this is part of the exultet. When we chant you know, out loud verbally, what would what good our birth would have been no gain had we not been redeemed that that we sing that solemnly every year. That's why. Right. So our, our mere human existence as such would be no gain had had we not been redeemed if we did not, in fact, take hold of the redemption that's been granted to us by way of this infused grace in our souls. That alone is the way that we obtain this this the fullness we'd say of, of human dignity, this participation in the life of God, that sense of moral goodness. Uh, and that's what the bishop is pointing out, which is, of course, why he uses the comparison between St. Francis and Hitler. Right. So, 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 of course, are we talking about an equality there in the eyes of God? Absolutely not. Uh, someone who's who we know is is transfigured by grace uh, as, as opposed to someone who's you know, committed these grave crimes. And that's all the time we have left. Thank you very much, Mr. Sang. Check him out, tradivox.com. But go get Credo from Sophie Institute Press. We'll be right back with more right after this. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When you walk into your non-denominational church or your megachurch, what do you see? What stands out to you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, observations in a Catholic church. You will notice at least eight items, all of which have religious, historical, or biblical significance. Secondly, what are those items? As soon as you walk in, the can't miss baptismal font, a stone altar, stained glass windows, 14 stations of Christ's passion, statues, a gold tabernacle, a lit candle near the tabernacle, and a large crucifix. Thirdly, my take. So, what seems to fill your church and truly move you toward Jesus? Oh, I know you don't need a physical or superfluous objects to move you toward Jesus. He's everywhere and in your heart. And that is true. But tell that to Moses, David, and Solomon, who were under strict and exact directions from God on how to build his house and then fill it with his Shekinah glory. I mean, does a comfy chair, does a flashy Fender guitar, does a well-fashioned stage move you toward contemplation and holiness? Remember, stages are for entertainment, but sanctuaries are for worship. Listening to Catholic Radio and getting excited about learning about your Catholic faith can be, well, infectious. I converted uh, in my 20s to a uh, Protestant, and uh, this is the first time I've heard Catholic Radio. I've been listening to it for a couple hours driving. The first time I've ever heard Catholics actually excited about what they believe. I'm going to tell you what, this has been uh, one of the greatest two hours that I've had in a while. And a special thank you to our donors for keeping Catholic Radio on the air. Thank you, and may God bless you. I worked in pro baseball for a long time, and we play on Sundays. 
And it was an easy excuse. I, I took the easy out and just didn't go to Mass. Got caught up in that whole selfishness, that whole, you know, um, I can do it all. The times when I was struggling were the times I needed God the most. And now that uh, I've come back and accepted God, my world has completely changed. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be with you today. It's always good to be with you. No matter what happens in the world. Are you talking to me? No, no. Specifically, <laughs> it's actually, I'm specifically not talking about Rudy. Oh, man. Uh, I'm talking about you. Not Rudy. I'm talking about you. It's good to be with you. It's okay to be with Rudy. I kind of get tired of him. That's why <laughs> That's why we have the weekend. So that way I can avoid Rudy for a couple days. So true. <laughs> oh, there's a laughter hey, in the background that? there. Uh, joining us right now is Dave Palmer. He is the host of Back to the Father, and he's on to discuss the sin of gluttony leading into Thanksgiving. Uh, but it's good to be on with you, Dave. It's always good to be on with you. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys crack me up. It's uh, it's good to be with you and uh, just happy to be part of this wonderful show for 10 or 15 minutes a week. So thank you. Yeah, praise be to God. It's always good to have uh, Dave Palmer on. In fact, if uh, if we could just uh, – hey, Rudy, can you do me a favor – um, can you switch spots with Dave? Take your family to Dallas and send <laughs> Dave over. No, I'm just joking. I'm just I'm joking. I'm pretty sure there was a there was a show hey. about that. You swap houses and you know you live their life for a bit, and they come over and live your life for a bit. That sounds Dave, crazy. I would love to do that. Can you come? Can you come blow and uh, rake up all my leaves this weekend? At my I would house love I'd to. Really that. I actually enjoy doing that. I'd love to do. I that. I want to trade places with Adrian because I want that 12 hour nap over the weekend. Oh that yeah. Earlier, okay? That's the Sounds plan. like a pretty productive weekend he's got planned. It's, it's very busy, Dave. I, I don't appreciate the, the accusation there. Uh, no, actually, you just reminded me. I would appreciate prayers because I'm giving a talk to a local parish and really cool. I'll, I'll only say this for a second. I won't waste too much time here. But I got invited to talk and give a talk on the traditional Latin mass. And the parish is taking their their confirmation kids on a pilgrimage to our, our what's refer, referred to as the indult parish, the parish that does Latin Mass, um, and they're taking the field trip there to experience Latin Mass. And they asked me to come give a talk on the Latin Mass. So prayers for this parish and prayers for the uh, kids that they be um, that I, I teach them something. So praise be to God. I just reminded me. So I'm going to take a nap, but I'm also going to do something productive this weekend as well. Uh, so on top of the nap, it's, it's going to help I me. Repent for, I, I repent for what I said. I'm sorry. <laughs> no it's problem. It's going to be a productive weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave. Let's talk about Back to the Father, the sin of gluttony. I think that's awesome um, that we're going to talk about this. We're going to guilt people into uh, eating less on Thanksgiving. Uh, let's start. What's Let's define the sin of gluttony. 
Yeah, well, Glutney is, as you know, most people know what it is. It's just an, an inordinate um, appetite or consumption of food. I mean, it's something so simple. Uh, and But, you know, as you would expect, Thomas, you know, spends a lot of articles in the Summa talking about it. And uh, and I, I got to thinking of it because, uh, not to guilt people, because we all want to get together and have a great Thanksgiving and have a great meal. But, you know, Gluttony is one of the capital sins. And so it's something that we have to pay attention to and how many people the the monday after thanksgiving are going to come to work and say oh my gosh i just ate so much on thursday i can't believe how much i ate and you know and everybody laughs and so at least it should be something that we keep in mind because it uh it, it is it can be a pretty serious sin you know a side note you you mentioning that as like people coming into work and talking about how much they ate you know how i just no matter how bad it gets in the world what a blessing that we have the opportunity to commit the sin of gluttony, right? Like the yeah. fact that that's even a possibility that we can, like, even no matter how, how much money or how little money we have, most of us, we get our family together and we can pull our food together and we have this massive meal every year. Like what a grace. What a grace that we have that opportunity. Uh, but anyway, sorry. It just kind of made me think of that. Just thinking about how, how lucky we are. Like think of other countries, how, how mind blowing it must be to see the table spread that we have for Thanksgiving. Um, what a, what an absolute grace. But anyway, yeah. um, back to the sin of gluttony. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, ha- I'm having a little foretaste of that this week because, as you know, our Spanish Radiothon is going on at the Guadalupe Radio Network. And this is kind of like the, the headquarters of it. And so all this food is being brought in. I mean, it's always the case, this great Mexican food and burritos and enchiladas every single day. So I get to practice a little bit of moderation this week uh, with a lot of food tempting me at every moment of the day. Yeah, so true. Ooh, enchiladas. Hey, Rudy, you want to go get some enchiladas? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cheese enchiladas for a Friday? They're mm. Perfect. Um, Dave, so, okay, the question that Aquinas asked, he says, okay, well, gluttony, is it a mortal sin? Is it the greatest of sins? And he kind of, the obviously, he gives his objections first. He's like, oh, it can't be that big of a sin. It can't be the mortal sin because, you know, you're just just eating a lot. I don't see anything in the... And the Ten Commandments against it. Yeah, you know, there, there's an interesting um, Pope St. Gregory. He's got two quotes in the in the Summa, Thomas does, that I think are really interesting because it ties in to that and also to the spiritual life. Uh, Gregory said, unless we first tame the enemy dwelling within us, namely our gladness appetite, we have not even stood up to engage in the spiritual combat. You know, and I think about this wonderful show we have, The Spirit World, and a lot of people are very, very interested in the spiritual life and demons and, you know, uh, you know, co- combating spiritual warfare and all that kind of stuff. But we, we can, uh, what, what Gregory is saying is that if you, if you're like, Eating too much all the time, forget about it. I mean, you've already lost the battle. Forget about these high-level spiritual battles that, uh, you know, you want to engage, you know, with demons and all that. Forget about it. Just don't eat that second quarter pounder, okay? <laughs> and then, uh, then uh, Gregory also says, as long as the vice of gluttony has a hold on a man, all that he has done valiantly is forfeited by him. And as long as the belly is unrestrained, all virtue comes to naught. All wow. right. So 
pretty pretty serious stuff and yeah it is it, it, it can be mortal but thomas says it's mortal if you place the food in the way of god in the way of your final end like if if you if if you like to audibly or think like i don't really care what god says i'm i'm going to eat all i want then it would be mortally but if if you just happen to overeat a little bit uh, i think thomas would say that's that's a venial sin you know so it does have a lot to do with intention now the man, I can't wait to hear back to the father because I have like a dozen things I want to go through. But I'll mention one thing in regards to the spiritual life because I was reading the Desert Fathers and they talk a lot about the seven. I lost the you seven by the way, Adrian. I can't hear anything. Oh well, we'll try to get that fixed and uh, we'll see if we can make sure that's uh, taken care of. But um, I was talking about the I was reading the Desert Fathers and the Desert Fathers uh, talk about how they are. They they talk a lot about the seven deadly sins. And when they talk about the sin of gluttony, they even talk about how the sin of gluttony is the first sin that someone should conquer. Because once you conquer gluttony, you then makes it uh, sets the road to conquer the other sins. And if you're unable to conquer your belly, then all of the other sins, it's impossible to try to conquer. Um, Dave, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Yeah, you, you went out for a second, but I, I don't know what happened, but you're back, so uh, good. <laughs> uh, perfect, perfect. So uh, what are your thoughts on uh, what the Desert Fathers have to say about the sin of gluttony? It's saying you have to conquer your belly, and then you can conquer other things. And they, I think the advice they would give to people struggling with the sin of lust, they would say, first, conquer your belly, and then you'll be able to conquer the sin of lust in a much easier way. Yeah, and that, that kind of highlights the fact that, uh, especially with capital sins, they're called capital sins because they're related to a lot of other sins. And so if you are not able to, you know, conquer the, the control you have for food, you're very much more likely to fall into other sins, like you said, like lust. And, and you know, I think there's a connection very likely between somebody who can't control his eyes with pornography and his belly with food. Uh, Thomas also points out, he, he calls them, uh, what is it, the, the sisters of, uh, yeah, the, the six daughters, there it is, uh, assigned to gluttony. And some of them are loquaciousness, like, you know, you're, you're out eating and you're having a good time, you're eating too much, and you're just talking and talking and talking. Uh, scurrility, you know, which uh, kind of like an unseemliness about your behavior. Dullness of mind. I mean, how often do we know that when you eat too much, you just you just can't always think properly, and then unseemly joy. You know, you <laughs> just so it it just it kind of breeds other sins and other temptations to just uh, immoderate behavior if you can't control how much you eat. Wow, Dave. You know, I'm thinking about this other this other aspect of this conversation too. And one of our our listeners, Tammy Mabry, out of uh, Florida, has a question for you. She said, "So if you have depression, for instance, and you use food." As a comfort without realizing it, uh, who's, who's a good saint that we could pray to for intercession? And also, is that something that you would categorize as uh, mortally sinful if we're using uh, the food as a way to cure or, or to uh, cope with our depression? Yeah, well, good question. And I, I think, again, if food can comfort. I mean, food does comfort us. I mean, when you're hungry, you eat because it comforts and it, it, it quells the, the hunger that you have. But still, there there's even within the, the realm of depression, there's going to be uh, how much are you going to eat? You know, you want to go get a donut or do you want to eat six donuts? I mean, one donut will comfort you <laughs> to some degree. And I, I do think that St. Thomas Aquinas would be a good saint because most people realize that <clears throat> he was known to be 
be rather rotund. And I don't know if he struggled with this himself, uh, yeah, you know, but obviously he had a lot to say about the, 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 you know, the virtuous life and, and, and these capital sins and things like that. So if she wants a good saint to pray to, I would just go straight to Aquinas. I think he'd be a good one. Yeah, and I would recommend for anyone who's struggling with sadness um, or a depression that's non-medical uh, to read Aquinas's commentary on the five remedies for sorrow his five remedies for sorrow, which I'll just go through right quick. He says, one, you should you should cry, for one. Um, two, you should <laughs> share your sorrows with friends. You should talk to talk to somebody and contemplate the truth. Number three, he says, four, do something pleasurable that's not sinful, meaning you can have some good food, eat something that you like, and it brings you pleasure, just not to the point of sin. Do something pleasurable that's not sinful. And fifth, he says, take a warm bath and a nap. And those are the five cures for sadness, according to Aquinas. Uh, so pretty awesome. I, I love the practicality of that. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas and the Summa talking about warm baths. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe those little bath bubbles and some candles, you know. Just kind of, <laughs> imagine. Imagine. That'd be so and, funny. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, interesting. Very, very practical stuff. And you know, one other thing, if I may, mm -hmm. Adrian, uh, you know, I, I think in, in thinking about uh, controlling our appetites and all that, it also should uh, bring us back. You know, you were talking in the previous segment about uh, Adam and Eve and original uh, righteousness and justice and innocence and all that. You know, they would not have had this struggle mm -hmm. before uh, before the fall. You know, they had perfect integrity between their reason and their passions and their appetites. And so and also in heaven, you know, God willing, with God's grace. We're able to get there. Uh, we're no longer going to have uh, concupiscence in this struggle. So it, it allows us to kind of look back and forward and say this is somewhat of a temporary condition we have with this temptation to immoderate food and other appetites. Now, uh, last thing, uh, I think probably the last thing we'll be able to talk about before we run out of time here is the sin of sumptuousness, which the St. Thomas Aquinas will put under the category of gluttony. And he, it's very, very interesting because most people would not think that this would be a, a sin. He mentions it in uh, his uh, response in Article 4, his I answer that. Um, the, what do you think about the idea of sumptuousness? I always was shocked when I first heard that this was a sin and under gluttony. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad I prepared for this question. <laughs> uh but <laughs> uh, no, yeah, he says whether the species of gluttony are fittingly, fittingly distinguished and sumptuousness uh is overly costly food, you know, uh something that may be inordinately fancy and that's not okay i don't think it means you can never go out for a nice meal but i think if you're in a, a regular habit and that's leading you into to sin uh and he and he also says uh he seeks food prepared too nicely uh daintily you know may i think it's really if you uh, let's just say you just say oh i don't i don't want to have a simple meal i've got to have something expensive something prepared very well you know that in and of itself is an inordinateness you know where it's almost like you know i'm not going to have something basic i'm not going to have a bean burrito i've got to have you know go to a five-star restaurant so i think that would lead one into the sin of sumptuousness is that your understanding adrian that's pretty much it i would uh usually say that it's 
a almost like a, a pickiness a pickiness whether it be yeah. like i can only eat chicken fingers or if it's pickiness like i have to have the nicest meal and i won't eat it unless it's ordered on the plate in this exact manner my taco cabana <laughs> it must be ordered properly from beans and cheese to the left to you both sound eggs like and potatoes. Howell from uh, gilligan's island there <laughs> all right dave people check it out it is a uh, 1 p.m central across the Guadalupe Radio Network, Back to the Father, across all of our social media platforms. Check it out, 1 p.m. Central, Back to the Father. But we're going to go into our game show. Call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. You're crazy! Deep within, we struggle. Come on, babe. Because sin separates us from God. She's in a relationship with George. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's number to call to be part of our game show Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes, and you could be a winner. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial that number, 877-757-9424, and make sure you call in right now. You may be asking, what am I calling in for, and what is this thing about, uh, I heard there was a prize involved? Well, let me tell you, I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. The trick is, I'm not going to ask you the questions, no I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. He's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Yeah, you know, actually, I changed my mind. We're not going to give, we're not giving anything away this oh. week. So Awkward. you can't win anything. Awkward. Uh, people, okay. people discovered my tricks. Mm. They know the patterns and then, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just not fair. So I'm not giving anything away. This okay. Week. All right. Is what I would have said 
if I meant that, because this week we are giving away a book by Bishop Sheen today. We're giving away this book, The Holy Hour Prayer Book. I'm holding it up on our uh, our video stream. If you're watching that, you can see it there. If not, I'm going to describe it to you. It's a book that will plant the seeds in your heart to begin making a holy hour. Think of how how edifying that's going to be to be in the presence of our Lord for one hour every single day, just like Fulton Sheen did. Fulton Sheen said he couldn't do anything without that holy hour that he would make and that he committed to for the rest of his life. Now, this book was generously given to us by our good friend Alan from the Great White North. That's uh, Canada, for those who don't know where the Great White North is. Alan is our resident Fulton Sheen expert. You can hear him on uh, Catholic Drive Time every Thursday. He's a zealous defender of our Lord. And you can check out his other books that he's compiled at bishopsheentoday.com. Let me repeat that to you. bishopsheentoday.com. I know... Christmas is right around the corner. We haven't talked about Advent yet. I'm sorry, but Christmas is coming up. If you want to give somebody a nice gift, bishopsheentoday.com is a great place to start. Thank you very much, Alan. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much to our generous sponsor, Bishop Sheen Today. But joining us right now is Pocahontas. Uh, Good morning to you, Pocahontas. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's nice to hear your voice again uh, from the great city Oh, San Antonio, San Texas. San Antonio. So, praise be to God. Let's go. Um, Pocahontas, remind me, where are you off to this morning? Oh, uh, well, uh, I I have to go visit my granddaughter. Oh, okay. oh praise be to God. Very good. You're going mm-hmm. to visit your granddaughter? I think that's a yes. awesome thing to do. I mean, my I am, I am always blessed because almost every Sunday – I get to see my grandparents. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I love my grandparents. And so oh, I, she's so awesome. lucky that you're going to visit her today. I I think yeah. she's going to be very happy to see you. All right, Pocahontas, you're a veteran of the show. You know how the game works. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. You are ready. All right. Well, I got to warn you. I'm looking at the questions here. And... Uh-oh. I think it's all hard <laughs> question Friday. These, whew, it's all hard question Friday. So good thing you're a veteran. All right, let's jump into it, Rudy. First question. The question on the board is, what is meant by taking God's name in vain? Uh, very serious, very serious sin. Now, it varies in you know in severity depending on if you mean it or not but i think this is going to change the way you look at it when we say taking god's name in vain which is against the first commandment or is it the first or second the second one no the second commandment <laughs> you use the holy name of jesus or talk about god without reverence so that's what it means by taking god's name in vain you use the the name of God or the holy name of Jesus without reverence. Okay. So final answer is using the holy name of God or Jesus in without reverence. That's your answer. Yes. Okay. All right, Pocahontas. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board for all tricky question Friday is what is meant by taking God's name in vain? Uh, Rudy, just like stumbling over all that answer over there, said the name of God or the holy name of Jesus is used without reverence would be taking God's name in vain. What say you, Pocahontas from San Antonio, Texas? I'm going to agree. 
You're going to agree. All right. She said, I agree with that. All right. Survey says that is correct. Pocahontas. Way to go. See, you could tell Rudy was lying or telling Tell the, the truth, truth because he has he was like he was like oh, and then you're like oh he must be telling the truth because he has no idea what he's saying like a bumbling fool uh that's what i heard i heard i was it was that or womp 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 then name of god and holy name of jesus use it without reverence womp 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 that's what i heard Oh, man. <laughs> All right, Pocahontas. Okay. Are you ready for question number two? I am. All right, let's jump in. Question number two. What was cast from the metal of guns intended for possible war between two countries involved in a boundary dispute in the 19th century why are you laughing? in South America? Because this is such an easy question. I don't know why anybody would get this one wrong. <laughs> why are you laughing about that? Well, you see, the thing is, is, uh, well, uh, um, um, uh, <laughs> 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 All right. This is actually a really fascinating story. Okay. So it was two Christians, uh, two Christian delegations. Okay. And they just had like, for whatever reason, they just could not get along. They okay. were both Christian. Though. All right. And eventually... They got to the point where they're like, "Look, this is stupid. What are we doing fighting? I don't want to. I don't want to fight you." So they took all their guns, they melted them together, and because they realized they were Catholic and Christian, they were like, "Why don't we melt our guns together and make a brand new canon and send it to Rome so that mm. they can canonize new people?" Mm. And that is the canon so... that they use now. They melted it to make the canon that they use now to canonize new saints. So what's the answer? I just told you. That the whole thing is the answer. They melted the guns to make okay. the new canon that they used to canonize people in Rome. Okay. So the canon yes. that they used to canonize people. Are you people. listening? I, sorry. I just heard womp, womp, womp. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pocahontas. 15 seconds on the clock. The question. All easy question Friday, apparently. The question is, what was cast? From the metal of guns that were intended for possible war between two countries that was involved in a border dispute in the 19th century in South America. Rudy says it was a cannon that was that's now used to Canonized. canonize people in Rome. Rome. What say you, Pocahontas from San Antonio, Texas? That's exactly right, Adrian. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. This is a hard one. I think I'm going to disagree you're gonna disagree he she says i disagree with that all right survey says that is correct pocahontas um he was in fact lying to you the correct answer (laughs) is christ of the andes it's a beautiful statue over in south america of our lord holding a cross standing on the globe and it's a very beautiful statue, and it's cast from those weapons. But, uh, yeah, I don't know anybody who would have known that off the top of their head. I did. It certainly didn't. But praise be to God, Pocahontas, you nailed it. Uh, how do you feel so far? Good. Good. Uh, Good. With yes. All hard question Friday. You're doing very well. Are you ready for question <laughs> number three? I am. All right. Let's do it. Question number three, Rudy. All right. Here we go. I'm exhausted. Uh, (laughs) What religious order Mm -hmm. founded by St. Jean-Baptiste de la Salle 
is devoted to the Christian education of the youth. Did you say Saint-Jean-Baptiste mm-hmm. de la Salle? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I thought you were talking about somebody else. Um, yeah, so that that organization, that religious mm-hmm. order, is actually called Life Team. Oh, It is what wow. you see in the Mass today. Oh, with the tambourines. With the tambourines, the praise and worship, mm. all the, the lifting of the arms, mm-hmm. swaying back and forth, really feeling the music during the Mass for some reason. That is Life Team. Wow. I had no idea. I Did you know it was a religious order? I did not know it was a religious order. I didn't, Life Team has been around since the 17th century? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. All right. 15 seconds on the clock, Pocahontas. The question on the board is... Which religious order founded by St. Jean-Baptiste de La Salle is devoted to the Christian education of the youth? Rudy said that was Life Teen, obviously. And what say you, Pocahontas? I disagree. She disagrees. All right, let's see. Survey says that is correct. Way to go, Pocahontas. The correct answer is Christian Brothers. The Christian Brothers. Uh, Stay on the line, Pocahontas, though. We're going to pull a name from the coffee cup of divine providence Could and so you. let's get the drummer boy going drummer boy unchain him so he can start drumming all right thank you mr drummer boy we'll... drummer boy is actually an adult by the way yeah drummer we just adult. give him we just give him drummer so we, boy should name. we call him drummer man Would drummer man all right <clears throat> all right let's see this one uh no 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 the other one this one that one that this one, one. Uh-huh. all right that one let's see <laughs> you're not gonna believe this. no i'm not gonna believe i, it. I don't believe it. you i already don't believe you i it's it's tricky can you believe again. this i don't i don't believe it Drummer boy, you're doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> what does this say? He's like, I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> I think it says, um, starts with a P and ends with an S. Can it be? Can it be? Can it be Is Pocahontas? It? No way! Pocahontas from San Antonio. You are the winner this week. Wow. Thank you. Way to go, Pocahontas. <laughs> you, you won. nailed it. That never happens, by the way. I won. Congratulations, Pocahontas. We're going to put you on hold. Stay on the line so we get your contact information. But God bless you. God love you. And give our regards to your granddaughter. Thank you so much. And I love you guys so much. Thank you. you. Stay on the line. We need to get your address. I'm going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you want to join us in the after show, hop on our YouTube feed. Just look up Catholic Drive Time on YouTube and you can leave a comment there. We love to chat with you. We're going to talk about the end times. The great chastisement prophesied is, are we living in the end times? We'll talk about that in the after show. But if not, see you back Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. We now join the following program. Already in progress. Christ became man to make us sons of God, and he intercedes for us before God. In his name we pray to our Father in heaven. 
for the church, that like this seed that fell on rich soil, we may take the time to hear and understand God's word. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our Pope and the bishops, that they will encourage us to look on the media as a potentially great channel for the spread of the gospel message. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who find it hard to forgive, that God's healing, grace may enter their hearts. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the gentle repose of those who have died, that in mercy God may welcome them into heaven. We pray to the Lord. We pray for Jim and Joy Pinto and Her Choice and Dr. Hahn, the president and founder of Her Choice, for God's blessing upon this Pregnancy Help Center and all the Pregnancy Help Centers uh, throughout the world, for God's blessing and providence to be revealed there. We pray to the Lord. Lord God, source of all good, hear our prayer, inspire us with good intentions, and help us to fulfill them through Christ our Lord. acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. 
shed light on your church so that your flock may everywhere prosper and that under your governance the shepherds may become pleasing to your name through Christ our Lord our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks Lord Holy Father Almighty and eternal God through Christ our Lord for as on the festival of Saint Leo you bid your church rejoice so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life Teacher by his words of preaching and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints we sing the hymn of your praise as without end we acclaim. Indeed, holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit Graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. From the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, 
Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. similar way when supper was ended he took the chalice and giving you thanks he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples saying take this all of you and drink from it for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins do this in memory of me Mysterium Fidei. celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your son his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven and as we look forward to his second coming we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice look we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your son and filled with this holy spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with Saint Leo, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Stephen, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Precepti salutaribus mohiti et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere. 
Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be
Peter said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. For those who cannot now receive Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, we offer the following prayer. O Jesus, since I cannot now receive thee under the sacramental veil, I beseech thee with a heart full of love and longing to come spiritually into my soul through the immaculate heart of thy most holy mother and abide with me forever, thee in me and I in thee, in time and in eternity, in Mary. Amen. Now, Holy Communion is being offered. This is the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network from the EWTN Radio Chapel in Birmingham, Alabama. cleansing of the sacred vessels is happening now. Then comes the blessing and the recession out of the chapel. This is EWTN Radio. Oh, 
Let us pray. Be pleased, O Lord, we pray, to govern the church you have nourished by this holy meal, so that firmly directed she may ever enjoy ever greater freedom and persevere in integrity of religion. Through Christ our Lord. Dominus Fabiscum. Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus, Pater et Filius et Spiritus Sanctus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. The Word was made flesh. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Pray for us, Holy Mother of God. Let us pray. Pour forth the ECC, O Lord, and grace into our hearts, that the years of the incarnation of Christ the Son, who is made known by the message of an angel, may rise in passion across the rocks of glory and resurrection. This is a Pro-Life Minute with doctors Stephen and Gracie Christie. Okay, so pro-choicers say that an embryo might technically be alive, but so is an acorn or a tomato or a jellyfish, and we don't worry about those lives. Do you also fret over killing jellyfish? Okay, a jellyfish or an acorn or a tomato is a thing. An embryo or fetus is a human being, and all human beings, unlike things, have inherent dignity and immense intrinsic value, irrespective of their capacities. Surely you're not going to argue that all living things have equal intrinsic value, that there would be no difference between killing, for example, a two-year-old cow or a two-year-old child. Clearly, that's not the case. We simply do not kill innocent human beings. For more on the culture of life, go to EWTN.com slash pro-life. People always ask me, Father, how should we pray? Well, there's several ways we can do it, but the most important is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to pray from our heart. We have to pray honestly and sincerely. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us so that we're not just simply saying words, but we're saying words that can actually change us. Prayer, if it changes us, then we're doing it right. And we're always finding ways to enhance the conversation when it comes to our Catholic faith at Podcast Central. Just go to EWTN.com slash radio. I am Ace McKay, your host for this week's Catholics Coast to Coast, where this week we want to know what does it mean to know the will of God and how can we view money through God's eyes and the way forward to live a truly happier life. So join me for Catholics Coast to Coast this Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. is a 